Hey, 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 welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 45 of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan, the Cold Day episode. I am, as usual, your host, Brian Brennan, in the place to be. Happy Friday, folks, end of the week. Hope you're having a good one. Live from New York City this time. I'm staying at my parents' apartment. I'm here for a couple of days. Uh, feeling pretty good. Uh, just got back from the Yankees game a little while ago. Um, they lost, unfortunately. I still had a great day out. We're going to recap all of this uh, during the Brian's Beloved segment. What a week, folks. Uh, uh, not even just the Yankees. which just what a week for my teams in general. We have a lot to talk about with the Yankees, the Knicks, the Rangers, we're going to talk about all that during today's Brian's Beloved. Uh, I, I mean, we just have a lot to get to today, folks. Uh, it, it, buckle in. Uh, I'm really excited for this one. I've been raring to go all week to talk about everything that's happening to all my teams this week. So I say we just jump right into it. Um, I, 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 of course, I'm going to do a quick little intro, though. I hope you're having a good one today. Um, I, I'm feeling good coming back from Yankee Stadium. Uh, great day with my dad. Uh, like I said, Yankees lost, but really, just a great day out. My throat is a little sore, honestly. Um, I, 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 I'm trying not to talk as much, just because my throat is, is deaf. I think you can kind of hear it a little bit in my voice. My throat is a little sore from today's game. Uh, a lot of yelling, a lot of booing, a lot of chanting. I'm going to let you know everything that was said at the stadium today. Some really good chants today. Um, totally worth it, in my opinion. Absolutely worth it. And uh, what a what a week. Uh, that's, that's pretty much all I have to say, folks. Um, I hope you're having a good one out there. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be in New York. Uh, I, I'm happy to see my family, um, to be at home. I'm looking forward to Saturday. It's my grandpa's 90th birthday. Uh, looking forward to seeing him. It's been a while since I've seen my grandpa, so looking forward to that. And, of course, celebrating 90 years, baby. That's going to be an awesome day. Looking forward to all that. Uh, I'm going to a Mets game tomorrow uh, with my girl, Leaf. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, she's a huge Mets fan. She is, like I said in the last episode, one of only two people I would ever go to a Mets game for. But um, either way, it's going to be a lot of fun. City Field's awesome. I was actually talking to uh, a couple people about this this week. Uh, City Field actually does have some advantages over Yankee Stadium. I will say that. I'm going to be nice to the Mets fans here and let you got the Pat Steins of the world, the Leets of the world, and I'm going to say some nice things about your ballpark here. I really like City Field. I don't think it's better than Yankee Stadium. Uh, I think Yankee Stadium's great. Yankee Stadium's home. But City Field is very nice in its own right. Uh, it's a huge upgrade over Shea. Uh, no offense, Mets fans, but Shea was a dump. And City Field is much nicer uh, in many different ways. I mean, the Jackie Robinson Rotunda right when you walk in is super nice. Uh, they have Shake Shack. The food at City Field. Oh, my God. The food at City Field, especially compared to Yankee Stadium, top notch. They've got Shake Shack, the box fries, great barbecue. I can't wait cannolis it's like a re- leave the gun take the cannolis when you go to city field folks it's it's a good time at city field so i'm looking forward to that even though i'm as as i've made very clear on this podcast not a mets fan in any way shape or form should be a good night uh going to city field but you know what folks i think i've introduced this episode long enough now we're at almost four minutes with this intro and i'm just raring to talk about this week for the yankees the series against the astros the game that i went to the chants that were um, chanted, I guess, uh, the boos that were booed, 
Uh, I'm ready to talk about all this. The Knicks, uh, since we last dropped an episode on Friday, they're 1-1. One one. They had a big win in Memphis on Monday night. Great game. Uh, I'm looking forward to recapping that game. The game last night, uh, I'm recording this on Thursday. They played last night in Denver. Yeah, that that didn't go so hot. Uh, but we'll, uh, we will recap it, of course, during Brian's Beloved. And what a week for the Rangers, folks. I thought I was done talking hockey on this podcast. I really did. Like I, I thought I was done, at least with the Rangers, I thought I was definitely done talking the Rangers. But then, all of a sudden, the events of this week happen. And whoa, I mean, everything that happened from the, the Wilson incidents on Monday night's game, to the statement they released on Tuesday, to firing Jeff Gordon and John Davidson on Wednesday, to what happened in Wednesday night's game with the huge line brawl and... Yeah, uh, eventful week in Rangerland, so instead of being done with the Rangers, we are actually going to spend a little bit of time talking about them today. It should be great, and then of course we've got the outro for you guys today. A lot of outro stories today, a lot of baseball outro stories, a lot of national baseball news happening right now that we will talk about in the outro, plus picks to click. I give you the games to watch in the NBA, MLB, and NHL this weekend, plus on Saturday, I'm also going to give you an MLS game as well to watch. We're going to get to all of that, folks. I don't want to delay this any longer. Let's jump into today's Brian's Beloved, starting first with the 27-time World Series champion, New York Yankees. Here we go. folks it is time for today's edition of brian's beloved where we talk about my favorite teams and how they did this week and folks it was a huge huge week in the bronx with the astros coming to town a wild series a lot of fun i mean this has to be the most fun had at yankee stadium since the pandemic hit i mean this is this was a wild series in the bronx uh yankees won two out of three good defeated evil folks I mean, either, even with today's loss, I'm still happy with the results of the series. I hate the Astros. I am, like with like every other Yankees fan, I can't stand the Astros. I hate what they did in 2017. I hate that they beat us even more <laughs> in 2019. I even go as far back as to hating them when they beat us in the wildcard game in 2015. I hate the Houston Astros, folks. And this series, it felt good, honestly, to let all that out. It really did. Even when I was watching at home, it just felt good to kind of release our anger when it came to this series and our frustration in a series of profane chants, a lot of booing, some funny signs as well. What a, what a series at the stadium, folks. Um, the first two games in particular were great. I went to the Thursday game. Like I said, I'm in New York right now. I just got home from this game uh, a, a little a little while ago, and uh, so we'll recap this whole series because uh, it was it was great. Uh, I, I I really loved this series, and it felt cathartic as a Yankee fan. This series was a release if you were a Yankees fan. It just felt good. It really did. So uh, we'll start with the first game, and right from the start, you could tell there was a different energy in the building. I wasn't there on Tuesday, but the you could feel it through the TV how lit that crowd was on Tuesday, folks. That crowd was loud, passionate, angry. That was the type of Yankee Stadium crowd that I had been missing since the pandemic hit. 
and they went nuts, starting right away with Jose Altuve leading off. The booing, the signs, it was awesome. It was amazing. Um, it is something I don't think, even with what he did today in, in the Thursday game, I don't think Jose Altuve is going to forget this for a long time. The fuck Altuve chance and all that, I think this is going to stick around in the Astros' mind. It started from the start of this game, folks. I mean, it was loud in that place. Michael Kay said later on his show the next day that he's never heard 10,000 people ever sound that loud, and I have to agree with the caster on that one. Um, okay, so let's start. Let's get into the scoring update, uh, scoring breakdown of this first game against the Astros. Um, like I said, the crowd was really into it in that first inning. A lot of booing and everything. Domingo Herman was on the hill. He was kind of juiced up too. He retired the first two batters of the game. Then a noted punk by the name of Alex Bregman came up and hit a Domingo Herman pitch into the Astros bullpen to give them a one nothing lead, silencing the crowd a little bit. Just for a little bit. This, this didn't last, folks. Uh, the crowd was not silent for long because in the bottom of the first inning, DJ LeMayhew gets on base with a walk, and John Carlos Stanton, the hottest hitter on the planet right now. Not just the hottest hitter on the Yankees, folks. John Carlos Stanton is the hottest hitter on the planet right now. And he, in the bottom of the first inning of this game, hit a long, long two-run home run to give the Yankees a 2-1 lead. Boom. I mean, Stanton is on a tear in this one. We're not done talking about Stanton, folks. Not by a long shot when it comes to this series. Um, So, yeah, Stanton hits that home run. Crowd goes crazy. That makes it 2-1 Yankees. Yankees actually load the bases in the bottom of the first inning, and I was, like, rubbing my hands together. I'm like, yes, we're going to break it open before it even starts. But um, Clint Frazier kind of killed the rally a little bit. Uh, He grounded into a double play. A run did score, but um, uh, it, 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 it did definitely take the wind out of the sails. And Zach Greinke, who was pitching for the Astros, actually settled down a little bit from there, pitched a pretty good game uh, from, from that, uh, to, for a little bit after that point. Um, the Yankees had a 3-1 lead, top of the fourth inning. Michael Brantley, uh, who was not on the 2017 Astros, so I'll compliment him a little bit and say he's actually a pretty good hitter. Uh, he's somebody actually wanted the Yankees to maybe consider signing this offseason. Hit a bomb home run into the luxury suites. It was thrown back, of course. That made it 3-2. That was in the top of the fourth inning. Um, so then um, the Yankees catch a little bit of a break later that inning. Um, they get a runner on. The Astros have a runner on, um, a runner on second, I believe. It was Alvarez was on second. And um, Yuli Gurriel's up. He hits this deep fly ball to left field. Uh, it gets very lucky. I mean, it just hits off the top of the wall and bounces into play. A huge break for the Yankees because it looks like a home run. It looked like it was going to go out of the ballpark. But luckily, it bounces off the top of the wall, just out of the reach of Clint Frazier, who was in left field. Uh, that, the Astros tie it on that play. Ball um, Alvarez scored. Uh, luckily, uh, Domingo Herman was able to get out of it. And that tied the game. Going into uh, for a couple innings there, um, I have to give credit to um, Gleba Gleba Torres for a super super nice defensive play he made in the top of the sixth inning of this game, folks. He made like a diving lunging stop of a line drive hit up the middle, 
flips it to DJ for the first out, or it might have been Odor for the first out, and then Odor throws to first uh, for the double play. That was probably, I'm going to be honest, folks, probably the nicest defensive play I've seen Glaber make in a long time. Like, really great, tremendous defense from the Yankees shortstop on that one, even though the shift was on. Uh, really nice play from Glaber uh, on that one. And uh, I thought it was fitting that he led off the next inning because I one thing about baseball, folks, I don't know if you've ever noticed this as baseball fans, so, a lot of times somebody will make a really nice defensive play and then instantly come up the next inning and do something big. Now, Glaber didn't hit a home run or anything, but he drew a walk uh, on, to lead off the inning. Yankees actually ended up loading the bases in this one, um, in this inning. DJ comes up. And he hits a slow tap. Like DJ, I think, yes, there were two outs when this situation, when DJ came up. Um, so, I mean, it looked like the Yankees might honestly, um, I, hang on, I just lost the score bug for a second, but it looked like the Yankees might, like, might not score, honestly. It looked like they were going to waste an opportunity in this one. DJ hits a slow roller to the third baseman, Bregman. Bregman fields, fires the first wildly, and... Um, Goes to the, goes into foul territory. Two runs score. Odor comes around the pl- around third. He collides. Awkward collision with Martin Maldonado. Um, and unfortunately, both of them got hurt. O- Maldonado dropped the ball, so Odor did end up scoring. But Odor was hurt on the play. Uh, obviously, you know thoughts are with Odor. Uh, it turned out that I believe he had a right knee strain on this play. It looked a lot worse when it happened. Uh, it looked like he could have. It looked like a potential like. Like ACL tear or something. He was struggling to get off the field. Uh, it looked bad for Odor, but um, he is okay. He's just on the injured list. And honestly, one thing that I've pointed out is that Luke Voigt is coming back. So Odor was going to lose playing time anyway. So it all works out. It all works out. That made it 6-3. A slow little ground ball hit to the third baseman. A cheating punk by the name of Alex Bregman. He throws it away to make it 6-3 Yanks. Uh... Yankees get a little bit of insurance later in the bottom of the sixth inning. Uh, John Carlo, once again, folks. I mean, Stanton is just a monster right now. Hits an opposite field single to make it 7-3 Yankees. And that was all the scoring they did. The bullpen shut it down from there, folks. Uh, Lucas Litke pitched the, got the win. He pitched the sixth inning, only giving up a hit. Uh, his second win of the season, his second win since 2015. He's a great story. I'm really happy for him. Johnny Lasagna, Johnny Jonathan Lewisaga pitched an inning, only giving up a hit, striking out one. Wandy Peralta, the new acquisition from the San Francisco Giants, they got from the Mike in the Mike Talkman trade. He pitched an inning, only giving up a hit, striking out one. And Chad Green pitched a clean inning, striking out two in this one. Yankees win this game seven to three. Um, it felt good, folks. It really did. Like I said, all the chanting and stuff, I was doing it from my couch. I was still in Maryland when this game was being played, as before I went home. I was doing a lot of couch uh, chanting from my couch. I was doing a lot of yelling from my couch. I know that sounds weird. But I really hate the Astros, if you can't tell. I, I had just, I, my hatred for the Astros is not normal. So um, I, the energy was amazing. It was a postseason energy with only 10,000 people in the stadium in May. So uh, a lot. Shouts to the fans, folks. Shouts to the fans. They brought it on Tuesday night. Uh, a great night in the Bronx. They win that game seven to three. Uh, let's talk about the Wednesday game now. Um, this game was fun too. It was. These are two very good teams. So like, when anytime the Yankees and Astros play against each other, 
That's why it was my pick to click three days last week. This is like the this is. I know I said that um, Dodgers Padres is the hot rivalry in the NL. This might be the rivalry in the AL. Right? Like, these two teams hate each other. So anytime these two teams play face against each other, it is a lot of fun. And this game was was great too. Um, no scoring until um, the bottom of the third and. Um, and uh, DJ LeMahieu came up. Luis Garcia, the pitcher for the Astros, he's a rookie, I believe. He had good numbers going into this game. And um, he looked pretty good for the first couple innings. Um, but then he hit DJ LeMahieu. There's some debate as to whether it was an intentional hit by pitch or not. I, I don't know. The fans, of course, reacted like DJ had been shot, <laughs> honestly. Uh, because, of course, it was an Astro throwing up and in on a Yankee. So, of course, they did. I, I reacted the same way. And... Uh, Stanton followed that up by hitting a long two-run home run to make it 2 nothing Obamas. Um, I mean, what more can we say, folks? Stanton's a monster. That extended his hitting streak to 11 games, I believe. Or I think it was 10 games. Yeah, 10 games at that point. I mean, what a, what a beast Stanton is. I mean, this is... Stanton, is, we're getting MVP Stanton right now, folks. We're getting the Stanton we traded for uh, that offseason. Like, that's, that's the Stanton I wanted from the start, and that's the Stanton we got last postseason. That's the Stanton we're getting now. Um, the top of the fourth inning, uh, Yankees, um, uh, or the Astros scored a run to make it 2-1. Uh, and then um, the Yankees caught a little bit of a break here also. Uh, I mentioned the break on... The Yankees did get a couple breaks in this series. I will say that. Uh, the ball I mentioned the night before that hit off the top of the wall uh, and bounced back in, that was a break. This was a break, too. Um, Gurriel... It was Gurriel again. Hit a, hit a double to left field. Uh, one run scored on it, but um, a great relay by the Yanks. Uh, it was Gardner to Gio to Gary Sanchez for the out at home. That preserved the that preserved the tie. Um that prevented the Astros from going ahead. That was a huge play. And that was a huge play in this game. So um, even though the Astros did tie it on that one, um, it was a huge play because that, that, kept it a, uh, that, that kept it a 2-2 ball game. Uh, but unfortunately, the uh, Astros did score again later that inning. Aledmus Diaz hit an RBI double to make it 3-2. But uh, this Yankees team just doesn't quit, folks. I mean, this Yankees team... Like, as long as they have the big bats in the lineup, they're never out of a game. And like, and, and John Carlos stands a man on a mission. I mean, what more can we say? In the bottom of the fifth inning, he ties it up. With, he hits a two-out double that drives in Brett Gardner. Gardner finally got a hit. About time. And uh, he came around to score on that uh, on that double by Stanton, his, his third RBI of the night. Uh, he wasn't done, and uh, that made it three-three in the bottom of the fifth. Uh, no scoring for a while. Uh, let's give some shouts to the Yankee pitching again. Sessa, Peralta, Loizaga, who got the win. And uh, we'll get to Chapman in a second. But um, all those guys did a pretty good job uh, in this game, shutting it down for the Yankees. Um, very impressed with all uh, this bullpen. Even without Zach Britton, they continue to do their job. Uh, and they, uh, they, really, they really did a nice job holding the Astros. This is a potent Astro- Astros lineup. I mean... They know what's coming. Literally know what's coming. So um, it, it's, 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 they, they shut them down. They did a good job. Uh, the Yankees scored some runs to break the tie in the top bottom of the eighth inning. I was really happy they 
scored in the eighth inning because you know I didn't want to have to deal with the extra inning rule or potential a potentially later game or anything like that. So I am very glad the Yankees scored uh, three runs in the bottom of the eighth inning to break this game open. Starting with Aaron Hicks, who has has been much better lately. I mean, Aaron Hicks has, if you look at his numbers, I know he's still on the interstate right now, but um, his numbers are better over his last couple of games. He is one of the guys who has hit a lot better lately. And um, with uh, Glaber on on third, I think Glaber was on, maybe Glaber was on second. Uh, He hits a little blooper to right field. It lands in front of the right fielder, Kyle Tucker, by the way. Great chant for Kyle Tucker as well. Um, they were chanting every, I mean, like I mentioned, the fuck Altuve chants and the, like, all that. And the, and the cheater, cheater, and shame, shame, shame. Oh my God, I love every chant at the stadium these last three days. But one of my personal favorites was for Kyle Tucker um, because uh, he was in right field. And uh, for those of you who don't know, right field at Yankee Stadium is one of the most notorious places in the world. I mean, that is where all the diehard fans sit, in the bleachers. Uh, it's it's a tough place to play if you're an outfielder. And they were chanting at Kyle Tucker, We don't know you. It was hilarious. I lo- that was one of my favorite chants of the last couple days. Because who, who the hell is Kyle Tucker, honestly? Who, who, who cares? He plays for a team that cheats. Anyway, um, Aaron Hicks got the single to right field. That makes it uh, 4-3 Bombers. Uh, the bot- but they weren't done. They loaded the bases. Um, Brett Gardner, like I mentioned, he's spent in a huge slump. There were some people at the game today who were yelling. These guys were wearing Yankee jerseys. And they were yelling at Brett Gardner. You're a joke. We should have spent the money on Tanaka. Duh. Like It's just like, don't criticize. I hate Yankee fans like that. I really, really can't stand Yankee fans like that. Um, and so I love Brett Gardner. I really do. He's one of my, he's a long time Yankee. He's been on the team for what, 12, 13 years now. He's been in the organization for even longer. So, uh, lay off Brett Gardner. Okay. He hits a sack fly in the bottom of the eighth inning to make it five, three Yankees. And then, um, John Carlo got his third RBI or sorry, his fourth RBI of the game, his third hit with a broken bat RBI single to right opposite field too. Uh, you know, Stanton usually hits these balls that are just like the hardest hit balls you'll ever see. Like, you're usually checking the exit velo on the ball Stanton hit. Um, but uh, this one was a broken bat opposite field single uh, that made it 6-3. That was pretty much the dagger. There was no way the Astros were coming back, uh, especially against Chapman, honestly. I mean, Chapman's just so good. Uh, Chapman's a monster. Uh, and in the ninth inning, another 1-2-3 inning for him with two strikeouts. Ball game over. Yankees win 6-2-3 in that one. And that leads us into today's game, the game I went to with my dad, folks. A lot of fun. Uh, this was a great day at the stadium. I, I, I thank I, Thanks to my dad for coming with me and uh, putting up with me, cheering Cole, booing the Astros, chanting at the Astros, chanting profane things at the Astros. I appreciate my dad for coming with me to the game. And uh, putting up with all that. Um, it was a great day at the stadium. Um, unfortunately, I'm, not, I'm still not in the clear, folks, because it hasn't been 14 days since my second COVID shot. This is kind of annoying. Like I remember at the start, of, I, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite, so I will point out at the start of the season, I did praise New York State 
for the testing requirements and the vaccination requirements. And it all sounded like a good idea at the time. But, uh, I mean, I think we're far enough at this point where they can kind of do away with it. And now I hear they're going to divide the the stadium into half-vaccinated people and vaccinated people. I don't, I don't really know. I would just, it just seems like it could be a mess, honestly. But um, today was a great, so I, I just bring that up to say um, I still needed to get a negative COVID test to get into Yankee Stadium, which was mildly annoying. I brought my Vax card and I showed it to the security guard. It's kind of a funny story. I showed it my Vax card to my security guard. He looks at the date on my Vax card uh, and then all of a sudden he pulls out his Apple Watch and I'm like, look, forget it. I'll just show you my COVID, my negative COVID test. He's like, yeah, I, I, he's like, yeah, it hasn't been 14 days. I can't let you in unless you show me a negative test. And I'm like, yeah, I got one of those. And I showed him my negative test and I got into the stadium. Um, so I, I don't really know how I feel about that, but I just, it was just, it was just a little bit of an whatever. Um, a lot of Astros fans at the stadium. You guys are some brave people if you're wearing Astros stuff to Yankee Stadium. Uh, my dad and I, we, we seat hop a little bit. If you'll remember the last time uh, I met, we went to Yankee Stadium a, a few weeks ago, uh, I mentioned that there was nobody checking tickets. You're pretty much allowed to sit wherever you want. So my dad and I, we moved from uh, the upper deck down to the lower field level. Um, and, um, I feel really bad. There was this Astros fan in our section. Well, you deserve to get some shit if you're wearing Astros stuff. I will say that, but you do not deserve to have stuff thrown at you. I'm sorry. You just, that is crossing the line to me. Yelling at stuff at Astros fans is one thing. You want to tell them the Astros suck? That's fine. You want to tell them Altuve is a cheater? Go ahead. But, uh, if you throw something at an Astros fan, that is crossing the line to me. And some dude just... Chucked a gigantic full water bottle at this Astros fan, and I felt so bad for him. I almost went up to this guy and I said, I, "I'm really sorry. I don't want to make you think that like all Yankees fans are like this. I'm really sorry for that. I felt bad for the guy. I really did. But like I said, if you come to Yankee Stadium wearing Astros Astros shit, you deserve to get a, a little bit of crap. Honestly, um, that's that's how I feel at least." Let's get into the game. Uh, I'm disappointed the Yankees lost this game, especially on Cole Day, because uh, Cole's so good. He wasn't his usual dominant self, honestly. Um, I was expecting like the 10 strikeout, two, hit, uh, two hits allowed Cole. Here was Cole's line for the day. He pitched seven innings. He allowed five hits, two runs, two home runs. That's very unusual from Cole. Like, Cole does not give up the long ball very often. In fact, that was the first home runs he had given up since opening day. So, I didn't get the usual dominant Cole. He only struck out four. Um, but he, he was in line to get the win in this game. He was. Uh, the Yankees, um, you know, gave him the lead. It was up to the bullpen to hold it. And they didn't. Uh, we'll talk about the scoring in this one. Uh, Lance McCullers started for the Astros. Um, he's one of the... He was on the 2017, so... Uh, Fuck him, honestly. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. Uh, he's a cheater as well, um, and I don't. I don't care. The pitchers aren't innocent either. I know it was mostly the batters, but the pitchers are not innocent either. They knew. And uh, shout out to Mike Fires for stepping up and saying something. Honestly, um, Lance McCullers was on the mound, and in the bottom of the third inning, the Yankees got the scoring started by who else? John Carlos Stanton, folks. You know, uh, I was talking to my dad about this at the game today. Um, John Sterling's home run call for Giancarlo Stanton is Giancarlo, no si puesto parlo. 
And I love it. I, 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 that's actually, I actually really like that one. But I thought of a better one a few years ago. And I say it every time Giancarlo hits a home run. It's Giancarlo drops the mic. Because his name used to, he used to go by Mike Stanton. And he dropped that name. So I think it's fitting that people say Giancarlo drops the mic. Because he dropped the name Mike. And it's a mic drop moment when he goes deep. I mean, he's just a beast, folks. I mean, he's just an animal. This was a line drive into the Yankees' bullpen off the Bank of America sign to make it one nothing Bombas. Um, in the top of the fourth inning with two outs, Jordan Alvarez, uh, he was, I believe, the Rookie of the Year in 2019 in the American League, uh, hit a bullet into the second deck. I mean... My dad blinked and missed it. Like, we, we blinked and missed this home run. It went off the bat and into the seats in a microsecond, this ball from Jordan Alvarez. Um, and that made it 1-1 in the top of the fourth. Uh, in the bottom of the fourth, the Yankees bounced, answered right back. Uh, Aaron Hicks was on first, and Clint Frazier hit a opposite field. I mean, that's good. this is good for Clint because he had been struggling, and it's good to see him have moments like this. He hit an opposite field. Home run into the left field seats, his third of the year. Uh, that made it 3-1 Yankees. And I was feeling pretty good at that point. I, I was. Um, Cole was on the mound. Our bullpen's been dominant all season. I, I, I felt comfortable with the 3-1 lead, honestly. Uh, unfortunately, Yankees didn't hold on. Uh, Cole pitched seven, strong, seven full innings. Not his best work. He gave up a second home run to Alvarez to dead center. Alvarez is an impressive hitter. He wasn't on the 2017 team, so I feel comfortable saying that. He's an impressive hitter, and um, he uh, hit one to dead center field to make it 3-2. That was kind of a red flag, um, honestly, but Cole was still in line to get the win, and the Yankees' bullpen has been so good over the course of um, this season and really the last couple of seasons as well, especially Chad Green. I mean, Chad Green has been Mr. Reliable for this team for a very long time. So it was surprising what happened next, honestly. Astros got um, the first two batters of the inning on, uh, first and third, um, for first and third, and then um, Maldonado struck out. Altuve comes up. Place is going wild. I mean, I, I don't just want to say most of the chanting this week was reserved for Altuve, and a lot of it was deserved, obviously. He's a cheater. He stole Aaron Judge's MVP. Jose Altuve is a cheater. If you disagree, don't listen to this podcast. Um, and uh, he was getting a huge amount of shit in this inning. I mean, people were chanting, uh, people were chanting, shame, 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 shame. And also, I'd like to point out, it was his birthday today. And uh, Yankee fans responded, instead of singing happy birthday to the guy, they responded by chanting, fuck your birthday. <laughs> and uh, I love that. I love that, honestly. But Jose Altuve got the last laugh today, folks. Um, off Chad Green. He hit a three-run home run over the Astros' bullpen in the top of the eighth inning to give the Astros a 5-3 lead. Unfortunately, taking the wind right out of the sails of everybody, honestly. Um, that was kind of a crushing moment, honestly. I hated seeing Altuve get that home run. I mean, ugh. And of course it was thrown back, by the way. Uh, I would like to point out that every home run the Astros hit in this series was thrown back. And um, Jose Altuve hits the home run off Chad Green on his birthday. It wasn't over. That that felt like a dagger moment in this game, but it wasn't over. Um, 
crazy play in the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, Glaber Torres. I have to give a shout out to Glaber. I thought he played great in the series. Um, all around. I'm still waiting for that first home run for Glaber, but I thought he played really well in the series. Um, crazy play here. Aaron Hicks hits like a kind of a line drive up the middle. It gets stopped. Astros had the shift on, so nobody was covering third, and Maldonado had straight away from home. So Glaber hustles all the way around the bases. He was on first. He goes from first to home on an infield single. Place was going crazy when that happened, folks. I thought the Yankees might come back in this one, but, um, Unfortunately, Kyle Higashioka, who's been in a bit of a slump lately, even though he's kind of assumed the starting catcher job from Gary, hit into a double play to end the inning. That kind of crushed it. That kind of crushed the momentum from there. And then Martin Maldonado, who I mentioned uh, earlier, he was in that collision with Rugnet Odor in the first game. Uh, He got the last laugh, too, by hitting a home run. Not far from where my dad and I were sitting, actually. It only landed a section or two away from us. And... um, that, that really broke it open. The game ended on a Giancarlo Stanton double play, despite uh, his success throughout the series. Unfortunately, Astros win the last game. Uh, they get the last laugh in the series by winning 7-4. to four. Again, not Cole's best start. The bullpen totally blew it, though. Cole could have had a win, and the bullpen blew it. That's disappointing, but you know what, folks? I will take two out of three against these guys. I mean, this was just a fun series. It really was. This was like a baseball is back series for me. This was this was a return to normalcy series for me, honestly, for the Yankees. And um, I'm really happy they took two out of three. I wish they could have won the game I was at. I really do. That would have been a lot of fun. But um, I, I won't complain. I had a great day at the stadium today. Uh, and, um, yeah, great series. Yankees are, uh, Yankees actually, I saw it, they have the best record in Major League Baseball since uh, Jay Bruce retired, so uh, maybe Jay Bruce was the curse on this team, I don't know, I don't know, folks. Um, <laughs> that's it for the Astros series, what a week, folks. Uh, let's, let's, let's preview the National Series a little bit. Um, it's a three-game set, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all at the stadium. Uh, you guys know I know the Nationals pretty well. Um, I live in D.C., I cover the Nationals for Sports on the Hill, Robbie and Carol's podcast. Um, I'm the baseball guy, so I talk a lot of Nationals, even though I don't watch a ton of their games. If the Nationals are playing at the same time as the Yankees, I am watching the Yankees, folks. That's just how it is. Uh, but the Nationals, they won the World Series two years ago. Um, they're in a division with teams that are all, every team in the National League East is struggling this year. So uh, let's preview the series, folks. I, I, I'm looking forward to this one. This is... It's fun. It's always fun when uh, you know you got when you've got friends who are fans of a team and you're going up against them. So this is a big series for me personally. Um, the first game of the series is at seven o'clock at the stadium. Jamison Tyone will be on the hill for the Yankees, coming off his best start of the season against the Tigers. Patrick Corbin will be on the hill for the Washington Nationals. He has not been good this season. He's one in three with an eight point one zero ERA, and he's a Trump supporter. Also, uh, I just had to point that out. Anyway, uh, Saturday I think is going to be a really fun game. I'm really looking forward to this Saturday game, folks. Uh, it's a great pitching matchup of two former Cy Young Award winners. We've got Corey Kluber for the Yankees, 2-2 two two with a 3.03 ERA. Also coming off his best start of the season against the Detroit Tigers. Going up against Mad Max Scherzer. I've said, I don't know if I've ever said it on this podcast, folks. Mad Max is one of my favorite non-Yankees. That dude is a beast. He's got two different colored eyes. He's a scary dude, man. I love Max Scherzer. Um, but I'll be rooting for him to lose in this game. I would like to make that very clear. I hope 
Corey Kluber outpitches him. I hope the Yankees score a lot of runs off him. And uh, they just take care of business in this 1 o'clock game at the stadium on Saturday. And then uh, to close out the series, we got Domingo Herman. Uh, he just pitched against the Astros in the Tuesday game, going up against Joe Ross. Uh, that's a 1 o'clock first pitch. Uh, we will see how this series goes. Uh, I am hoping the Yankees take two out of three. Um, I think they're a better team than the Nationals. Sorry, guys. Uh, sorry to my friends who are Nationals fans. I think the Yankees are a better team, um, and I hope they take two out of three in this series. Um, and before a long road trip, this is good. They have a pretty long road trip after this national series, so uh, we'll see how that goes. They play. I'll I'll just let you know what's coming up on the road trip for the Yankees. They go to Tampa. Luke Voigt is expected to be back at some point during the next couple of days. He's expected to be back for that Tampa series, so hopefully that'll make a difference. Three games at the Trop, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday next week. Then they go to Camden Yards again for a three-game series over the weekend. Uh, That's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then they go to Texas to play the Rangers for a four-game series at their brand-new stadium that is open to 100% capacity at this point. So um, that's a big road trip coming up for the Bombers. But first... You know, win this national series, win two out of three, um, take care of business against these guys. You're better than them. I've seen, look, I've seen the nationals. The Yankees are better than them. All right. The Yankees are better than the nationals. So take care of business against these guys and uh, keep it, keep the momentum rolling. All you have to do is win series, honestly. You won this series against the Astros, you swept the Tigers. Just keep winning series, Yankees. Just keep winning. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say on the Yankees. A fun week. Um, a fun series against Houston, and I'm looking forward to this national series. Let's get into the Knicks segment, folks. They had two big games this week. They're one and one. They lost to the Nuggets last night, but they did meet beat Memphis on Monday. That was a fun game. I'm looking forward to talking about that. Let's get into the Knicks portion of Brian's Beloved. Wait, hold the phone, folks. I forgot something. I hate when I do this. I hate when I have to go back and add something. When I forget to talk about something, I forget to write something down. It's really annoying, but I do have to mention something about this Thursday game that I went to. The winning pitcher for the Houston Astros. This might be the only positive to come out of this loss, honestly. The winning pitcher of the, for the Houston Astros in this game was High Point University alum, the pride of HPU, Andre Scrub. Now, I want to give a shout out to Michael Kay because during the Yankees broadcast on Tuesday, he mentioned Andre Scrub and how difficult it must be to have grown up uh, with the name A Scrub, literally A Scrub. But uh, he was a great pitcher at High Point. Uh, Ethan and I commentated a lot of his games, and um, I, I it was kind of funny because Ethan and I used to always talk about we we really didn't want to say like he was not a scrub today like we we really didn't want to mention the fact that that was his name on the broadcast because we knew he had family listening and um, shout out to Andre Scrub man like I'm just really happy that a High Point University that High Point has alums in the major leagues that makes me really proud to be a Panther myself so um, as bummed as I am the Yankees lost I will give a shout out. To Andre, uh, the only Astro I approve of uh, for getting a win today. Um, I was even texting Ethan during the game, like, I'm really happy. It was, it was cool to see Andre get his moment. And, um, yeah, shout-out to High Point University, my fantastic alma mater that I love very much to death. So uh, that pretty much does it for the Yankees segment. Let's talk a little Knicks, folks. 
Just two last uh, Yankee notes before we move into the next segment, folks. Uh, Gio Urshela left today's game. Um, He's going for an MRI, apparently, on his knee. Um, So hopefully Gio is okay. He made that diving stop um, in the top of the eighth inning. uh, And um, it looked like he got a little shaken up on that. Aaron Hicks also looked like he got shaken up on the uh, infield single that Glaber scored on. Um, he uh, he had to walk it off a little bit. He looked like he was still wincing a little bit in center field. Um, so hopefully both Aaron Hicks and Gio Urshela are okay. Uh, and just one, one other fun, funny thing about this, um, this national series, folks. I now have a bet on this series with Tim Clark. First off, Tim Clark's not even a Nationals fan. Yet he still wanted to do a bet on this series. So apparently... <laughs> If the Yankees lose this series two out of three or get swept, I have to wear a Nationals hat during the Wizards segment on Sports on the Hill uh, sometime coming up. So, and, uh, of course, if the Yankees uh, win two out of three, which I think they're going to, uh, Tim will have to wear a Yankees hat uh, on the Wizards segment. Now, the only, look, I, the only reason I accepted this bet was because the thought of Tim Clark wearing a Yankees hat just sounded too good to pass up, honestly. So uh, I, I, I hope the Yankees win two out of three in this series uh, so I can see that sight, even though Tim is not a Nationals fan. And I, uh, and so anyway, looking forward to this bet. Uh, honestly, Carol's the one I should have a bet with, honestly. Carol's the Nationals guy. I should text Carol and see if he wants to do a bet on this series, honestly. But anyway, it's, I say all that. To say it is time for the next segment of Brian's Beloved, folks. Uh, one in one week the last couple of days. A huge win in Memphis on Monday night that they absolutely needed considering the rest of this road trip. And it's a pretty bad loss last night in Denver. Uh, or Wednesday night. Um, yeah, we'll talk about all that. Uh, but first, this is the next segment, of course. So uh, we will begin the next segment the way we begin every next segment on Brian's Beloved. And that is like this. I just love this song, guys. It's just great. It's got great lyrics. It's about one of my favorite Knicks teams of all time, the 94 Knicks. And like I said last episode, folks, I want a remix of this song for the 2021 Knicks. They are worthy of one. They are going to be in the playoffs. Then, bam, Ewing dunks in your face. That's my favorite line. All right, that's enough. That's enough. Let's talk about the Knicks' last two games on this West Coast road trip. I, met, I talked about the Houston game in the last episode. Um, I mentioned how easy that game was uh, and how it was going to be the easiest game of the road trip. Well, um, the Memphis game was the second easiest game of the road trip. And the Knicks went out there and took care of business against the team that I honestly... No offense to the Grizzlies. I know they're in the Western Conference, but I think the Knicks are better. They swept them this year. They went 2-0. and I think the Knicks are better than the Grizzlies. And um, I, I do like some of the talent that Memphis does have. Uh, we'll talk about John Morant a little bit because John Morant's a hell of a player. 
But uh, the Knicks really were great in this game. I mean, they scored 44 points in the second quarter. I mean, that was an incredible second quarter by this team, folks. Um, a really impressive effort. They led by 17 at one point in the third quarter. Um, I was just really pre- I mean, they were. This was a really fun night, a really fun game against Memphis. Um, and it was punctuated. Now, Memphis, I will say, did have a little bit of a comeback, honestly. Uh, they did start to come back a little bit in the fourth quarter. They, they, I believe they cut it to single digits, and I was getting nervous. I was getting nervous, folks. I really was. But um, Memphis took themselves out of this game towards the end by getting teed up badly. They lost their cool. They were undisciplined. John ja Morant got teed up and caught and tossed. Their coach got teed up and tossed. I think they had another technical as well. They lost their cool, and it took them straight out of this game. They had a chance, folks. They, they were within striking distance of the Knicks towards the end of this game. But the, those technicals really killed them, honestly. I mean, that really took Memphis. Any chance they had, of even remote chance of having a comeback, went out the window with those tees. And I, I said this on Knicks Facebook. You guys know I'm a big part of Knicks Facebook. Uh, I said this on Knicks Facebook. Tom Thibodeau. Coach of the year, Tom Thibodeau, yeah, I said it, would never allow his team to do that. He would never allow a team to be undisciplined and lose their shit like that. And that is why I am happy we have the coach of the year, Tom Thibodeau, leading our squad. He's a great coach. And um, Memphis's coach, I don't know his name. Is it, isn't it Dave Yeager? Uh, Dave Yeager, I believe, is the Memphis Grizzlies head coach. Um, he might have gotten fired a couple years ago. I don't, I don't know. But um, he allowed Memphis. He should not have allowed Memphis to his players. They're a young team, and they clearly were a bunch of hotheads towards the end of this game. And I was and Tibbs was laughing. If Tibbs is laughing, then if Tibbs is smiling, even like you know you got it in the bag. Knicks win this game, one hundred and eighteen to one hundred and four. Like I said, second easiest game of the road trip. Um, it was a fun one, um, and I was pretty fired up after it. I was pretty fired up after this win. Let's get into the box score uh, for our Knicks in this one. Um, you'll never guess who the leading scorer in this game was, folks. It was our MVP, Mr. Julius Randle, once again coming through with 28 points, baby. Honestly, not the most efficient night for Julius. He was 9 of 23 from, sh- from shooting, but he was 5 of 8 from 3. He had 6 rebounds, 6 assists as well. Not not his bet in the most efficient night, but he did score 28 points. It was a big part of this Knicks win. Randall's just amazing, folks. I'm really happy he's on this team. I, I know I say that every episode, but thank God for Julius Randall. <laughs> that's, that's all I got to say. Um, the second leading scorer with his season high was none other than Derek Rose, who came off the bench once again in this one. He had 27 minutes. He's completely outplaying Alfred Payton by now at this point. Derrick Rose is the point guard as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't matter who starts, honestly. Derrick Rose finishes, and that's what matters here. Um, His season high, like I said, 25 points, 11 of 15 from the field. Uh, A great night for D. Rose, and I've I've said it, folks. I could not have... Has there ever been a comeback like this? Has an athlete ever had such a terrible first stint with a team and then come back to have such a great second stint with a team like this. I can't think of anything. Like most most people who come back for second second stints are usually pretty bad. So 
this has been amazing. I, I can't believe D. Rose is actually like doing his thing at this. Like he's he's still crushing it. Um, he, he like turns back the clock nightly with this team. And I think being with Thibodeau, being with his guy, uh, and I think also being with a, a great longtime teammate with Taj, I think helps us a lot too. He's comfortable here, and uh, it shows. It really does. Uh, D. Rose is a beast. I, I'm really happy. That was a great trade. Getting rid of Dennis Smith Jr. for Derrick Rose is honestly what a great move by the by the hierarchy of this team. Um, they really deserve full kudos for that one. I, I, I got to give credit to them. Let's talk about some of the other leading scorers. R.J. Barrett, um, 15 points in this one. Alfred Payton had 10 in only 18 minutes uh, of play. Reggie Black had 13 points for the Knicks. Uh, in this one, and honestly, it was really just Julius and Derrick Rose. They pretty much carried the whole way in this one uh, for the Knicks. Um, they were great. Uh, they they did their job, and um, yeah, this this was like I said, must win game in my opinion. I really felt like this was a must win game for the Knicks, and um, considering how tough the rest of this trip is going to be, so uh, to get the first two of this road trip under your belt was huge. Alan Hahn was saying this on the post-game show, because uh, you guys know I'm a big fan of the Knicks. Shout-out to Bill, Alan, and Wally. Those guys crush it every night on the Knicks post, pre- and post-game show. I love those guys. Like I know it sounds weird to watch a pre- and post-game show religiously, but I love the Knicks pre- and post-game show. Those guys bring it every time. They are so passionate about the Knicks. And um, Alan Hahn said in that game, um, just now that you've got the first two out of the way, just win one more. That's all you need. Just win one more on this brutal road trip, and that you'll be good. You'll be good. Uh, unfortunately, we got to talk about the Denver game now. That was that sucked. Honestly, <laughs> that Denver game sucked. Huge letdown right from the start. Denver. I don't. The Knicks barely got out of single digits in the first quarter. Nikola Jokic was a. He's the MVP, folks. I gotta say it. Jokic is my MVP. After this game, I am 100% convinced Nikola Jokic is going to win the MVP. He had 24 points in the first quarter against us. Knicks only scored 12. He doubled up the Knicks. The Nuggets scored 34 points. Jokic had 24 of them. He's just a beast. I read you his numbers in the last episode. This guy's just a monster. He crushed it in this game for the Nuggets. I mean, he only I mean, he only scored eight more points the rest of the game, but that's pretty much all he had to do, honestly. I mean, all the wind was taken out of the Knicks' sails after that first quarter. I will say they did actually play better in the rest of the game. I watched most of this game until I just couldn't take it anymore. But I will say outside of the first quarter, the Knicks actually played decent. That doesn't say much, honestly, because they still got blown out because the first quarter was so bad. But um, they it, 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 they did actually play all right the rest. Of, you take out that first quarter, and, and they played all right. But you can't take out that first quarter. It happened. They got crushed in that first quarter and crushed in this game. Uh, they lost 113-97. to 97. Um, Let's go into the box score for the Knicks. Not a lot of scoring in this one. Um, the leading scorer was Emmanuel Quickly. He had 18 off the bench. A lot of it in garbage time, um, honestly, when the game was already out of reach. Knicks emptied their bench again 
in this one because it was a blowout. So a lot of guys got to play. Um, Theo Pinson got a minute. Jared Harper got a got two minutes. Kevin Knox got five minutes in this one. Um, yeah, um, bad loss. Bad loss for the Knicks in this one. Uh, Randall only had 14 points. Reggie Bullock only had 14 points. R.J. Barrett, they all had 14 points. R.J. only had 14 points. Yeah. Uh, Derek Rose, what a, a little weird. How did all these guys score exactly 14 points? Randall, Bullock, Barrett, and Rose all scored exactly 14 points in this game. That's crazy. Uh, didn't help, honestly. I wish they had scored a lot more than that, honestly. I will give you the Nuggets box score because it is interesting. Uh, Jokic wasn't the only player with a good night for this for this Rocket or this Nuggets team. Um, Austin Rivers, who the Knicks uh, traded and has bounced around a, a little bit since he got traded, getting cut from various different teams, decided he was going to torch the team that traded him uh, for Terrence Ferguson by uh, dropping 25 points off the bench from them. And Austin Rivers, he did have some nice things to say about the Knicks in his post-game comments. I do like, he seems like a nice guy, honestly. And I was happy for him that he had this moment, this big game against a a team that traded him. I'm sure that felt good for him, honestly. Knicks Facebook was kind of up in arms. Why did we let this guy go? He's torturing us now. Uh, Nick's Facebook is so annoying sometimes, guys. I swear. Like they, the, the, the even one, like this, they've won twelve of the, the last fourteen games. People are still panicking, losing their minds. It's crazy. But Rivers had a nice night, twenty-five points. Michael Porter Jr., the best Porter in the NBA, as far as I'm concerned. Sorry, Otto and Kevin. Uh, this guy had seventeen points. Uh, great night for Michael Porter Jr. I mentioned uh, Jokic Campazo. Had 16 points as well for the Nuggets. Um, yeah, they're just a good team. They're better than us. Every team on the rest of this road trip is better than the Knicks. Uh, you'll you'll hear who they're playing their next couple games. Every single one of these teams, to be honest, on paper at least. You don't play the games on paper, but on paper is better than the Knicks. And this was, I mean, honestly, I was texting with Sam Carr a little bit during this game. We had all we had both pretty much given up by the end of the first quarter. So um, yeah, bad loss. They lost. The final score was 113 to 97. Uh, not how you want to start a game against four definite a stretch against four definite playoff opponents. So um, yeah, like Allen said on the post game show after the Memphis game, just win one of these next upcoming games. That that's all I can ask for as a Knicks fan, honestly. Just win one. Just steal one on the road. These aren't going to be easy. Um, So here is what the Knicks have coming up these next couple of days. They play the Phoenix Suns. Well, You'll you'll be listening to this episode on Friday. They play the Suns on Friday. That game is at 10 o'clock. I mentioned in the last episode, the last time these two teams played was a really close game. A lot of fun. Suns just pulled away at the end and ended up winning. So maybe the Knicks will will have revenge on their mind. The Suns have already clinched the playoff spot, so I'm hoping maybe they'll rest a couple guys. That that might be wishful thinking, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, that I don't know if they're going to win that one. Honestly, that's going to be tough. That's going to be a tough game. Sunday is also a tough game. They play the L.A. Clippers in L.A. It's a 3:30 tip off. Um, it's on ESPN, nationally televised. So. Um, Knicks get a little national exposure. Actually, 
Uh, both Knicks games in L.A. will be on national television. Allen actually just announced this on his Facebook. Um, the Sunday game against the Clippers will be on ESPN, and the Tuesday night game will be at 10 o'clock. That'll be on TNT. So uh, national exposure for the Knicks as they wind up as they wind down their season here. I'm going to be honest. The most... I, the one I think they can steal the most, I'm not going to count them out of any games. I'll never count this team out of anything. I've been perpetually impressed by this team non-stop since the season started. And I will never count them out of anything. But if I had to choose one of these next three games on the road trip that I think they could potentially steal the most, I'd have to go with the Lakers game. Um, LeBron James came back from an injury last week and... Um, he re-aggravated that injury apparently very quickly. He's out still. The latest report I saw today was that LeBron James will return either Tuesday or Wednesday for the Lakers. So I'm preferably Wednesday, please. That would be ideal. Uh, I don't want LeBron James to play against the Knicks. Um, I would prefer if LeBron James played the next game. Uh, so if LeBron doesn't play that game, I think that's a very winnable game for the Knicks. Um, it's much easier to go up against the Lakers when it's just Anthony Davis as opposed to Anthony Davis and Braun. So uh, I, I know the Lakers are the defending champs, but if LeBron is out, I think they can take that game. I really do. I think they can, I'm not going to say for sure they're going to win any of these games. It's going to be tough. But um, just win one. Please just take one. I know that sounds pathetic as a Knicks fan, but just just take one. That's all I can ask for, honestly. Um, after that, they return home to play the Spurs, Hornets, and Celtics to wrap up the season. That should be fun. Those are all at the Garden, so I can't wait. Uh, speaking of the Garden, what a week for the Rangers, folks. I, I thought I was done talking about hockey on this, on this podcast, but no... The Rangers were like, no, uh, like I, we got there. We got to talk about what happened this week for the blue shirts. Uh, that's coming up next, folks. Uh, Rangers segment of Brian's beloved. Stay tuned. Okay, so I thought I was done talking about the Rangers this season. I said many times on the last couple of episodes, their season is over, and it is. As ter- as far as the actual hockey, the playing of hockey. That portion of the Rangers season is pretty much over. They're playing right now. I'm not even watching. I'm not even going to report on those games. They're playing a char against the Bruins. I'm not going to talk about it. But I am going to talk about what happened this week in their games against the Washington Capitals and their subsequent statement and what happened with firing their team president and their GM. Um, all of which I have opinions on, honestly. So um, I wasn't really play- paying too much of close close attention to their game on Monday against the Capitals. It was the first end of Achara against them, um, back-to-back, in case you don't know. Both games were at Madison Square Garden. I I was watching a little bit, because I was going on Sports on the Hill to talk hockey a little bit with them, uh, with Robbie, Carol, and Anna. Um, Love all of them, by the way. I just want to make sure, I'm going to say some things about them in this segment that um, I want to make this clear. I still love them no matter what. It's all love at the end of the day. They're all great people. But uh, we had a lot of beef this week. I will say that um, a lot of tension. I'll put it that way, and a lot of it's all because of their boy Tom Wilson. Oh boy, folks! I do not have anything nice to say about Tom Wilson. He is a goon. Uh, that is all I have to say. That guy is dirty, dirty player. He's not like the dirt. Like what makes Tom Wilson so frustrating, folks? 
is that Tom Wilson is a good hockey player. He's got the skills to be a good hockey player. He does not have to do the stuff he does. He's very talented. But um, he's been suspended five times since coming into the National Hockey League. He doesn't. He is, his antics are ridiculous. He's. I. I will. I understand why Capitals fans love him. I. I do. I really understand why Robbie loves him and Anna and Carol. I understand why they love him so much. But he's a goon. I'm sorry. He's. He's a dirty player and he's a goon. I. And um, I can't. I hate him. I. I have to say that I hate what he did in the Monday game. I thought it was extremely dirty. And um, I. I no. I just no place for it. Honestly. So. Here's what Tom Wilson did. Um, Rangers are on a power play. And um, for those of you who don't know, the Rangers power play line features all their top players. Buchnevich, Panarin, Zibanejad. um, Obviously, because they're trying to score a goal. And um, all those guys, I love those guys. Those are some of my favorite players on the team. But they are softer than baby shit. Like, they can't fight at all. And that is one of the fatal flaws of this Rangers team, folks. That is probably why Jeff Gordon and John Davidson lost their jobs. Uh, it is a huge fatal flaw of this team that they do not have any tough guys. And so what happened was Tom Wilson basically play stops and he kind of just shoves Pavel Buchnevich's head into the ice. Which is a no-no. I, that is dirty. He, he didn't. I wouldn't say he didn't like sucker punch him like Todd Bertuzzi or anything. I don't want to make it sound like that. But he shoved his head into the ice. And um, Artemi Panarin, being a good teammate, being the teammate that he was, um, stood up for it. He he said he he fought uh, Tom Wilson. And um, unfortunately, like I said, Artemi Panarin is not much of a fighter. And Tom Wilson kind of flipped him around a little bit. And unfortunately, Artemi Panarin was out for the season because of this. And um, so here we go again with Tom Wilson. Just another dirty play from Tom Wilson. And um, look, I thought what he did was insanely cheap. Did not need to do it at all. Robbie and Carol went to the ends of the earth to defend Tom Wilson. I'm sorry, but like, how can you possibly possibly defend what he did? Like, it's not the first time he's done this. Like, this is not—he's not the first time he's acted like a goon. How can you defend this? Like, I talked to other Caps fans who were like, "Yeah, this was dirty." Like, how can you possibly defend this honestly? And then, and of course, the Rangers were pissed. Mika Zibanejad said after the game. By the way, Capitals won that game six three. Uh, Mika Zibanejad said uh, after the game, there's no place for that in hockey. There's no need for that, honestly. Um, And and David Quinn also said he was really disappointed how the head coach, David Quinn, he said how he was disappointed uh, in how Tom Wilson acts. The NHL, instead of suspending Tom Wilson, which is what I think they should have done, I don't think he should have got like a, a huge... Huge suspension, but what I would have done is I would have suspended him for at least the rest of the regular season, maybe a couple playoff games as well. But um, the league decided not to do that. Instead, they issued Tom Wilson a $5,000 fine, and that was it. So again, he shoved a player's head into the ice, injured a Rangers player, ending his season... 
and only got fined five grand. You can see why not only Rangers fans, Rangers players, the Rangers organization as a whole was pissed by what happened. So pissed that they released a statement. And I have never seen a statement like this from any team in my life, let alone a team I root for. And it actually got me a little fired up. I'm not going to lie. This statement actually kind of pumped me up a little bit. So I'm going to read you the Rangers statement that they released on Tuesday. I'll try and do it justice, folks. I was really, I really love this statement. Here we go. The New York Rangers are extremely disappointed that Capitals forward Tom Wilson was not suspended for his horrifying act of violence last night at Madison Square Garden. Wilson is a repeat offender with a long history of these types of acts, and we find it shocking that the NHL and their Department of Player Safety failed to take the appropriate action and suspend him indefinitely. Wilson's dangerous and reckless actions caused an injury to Artemi Panarin that will prevent him from playing again this season. We view this as a dereliction of duty by NHL Head of Player Safety George Paros and believe he is unfit to continue in his current role. Wow. Shots fired, folks. And um, I have never seen a statement like that from any type of team. The Rangers put all of their anger, all of their frustration from the fact that they don't have any players who fight Tom Wilson into this statement, and I loved it. I absolutely loved the statement, and I stand by the fact how much I love this statement. The statement was 100% worth it, in my opinion. Uh, I totally uh, love the statement, honestly. I really do. Um, Unfortunately, some people in the Rangers organization did not love the statement. Now, there is a lot of debate about this. I don't think it's a coincidence. I really do. It just seems too, like... It seems too close to each other to to be a coincidence, honestly. Uh, But on Wednesday, after the statement, it's announced that Jeff Gordon, the GM, and John Davidson, the team president, have been fired. Like, fired! After all the good they've done turning this team around. This Rangers team, I know they're not going to make the playoffs this year. They would have made the playoffs in any other division. I stand by that. This is a damn good team. In any other division, they would have made the playoffs. I strongly believe that. Robbie even said that. And Robbie hates the Rangers after this week. So, look, I, they did a great job rebuilding this team, in my opinion. And this team is close, man. This team is really close, in my opinion. I think they'll be a playoff team next year for sure. They have a lot of young talent. And John Davidson, I look, Jeff Gordon did a great job, but I think John Davidson especially did a great job building this team. I mean, John Davidson, he was a longtime Rangers goalie. He was a longtime Rangers announcer. He was there when they won the Cup in 94, calling the game. I mean, John Davidson is a legend in the Rangers organization. And like I said, they did a great job building this organization back up from the depths of despair. I mean, they were terrible for a couple of years to promising potential playoff team again. So, I was very shocked. And that's why I don't think it's a coincidence that they were fired after the statement. I, 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 it, just, it just can't be... It just seems weird, honestly. It just seems weird that they would get fired. Like They had to have like disagreed with the statement or something, right? I mean, that statement is crazy. And like 
it's it's I mean to I don't know they I just feel like they went against Dolan they they argued against it and they were subsequently let go for it just seems like too good of a coincidence but anyway I will say I am excited like as disappointed as I am that Jeff Gordon and John Davidson were fired I am happy for Chris Drury. He's getting thrown right into the fire with this job. He gets to be the GM and the president right away of the Rangers. His first role in either first time in either role. Uh, that's going to be tough for uh, Chris Drury. But I loved Chris Drury when he was on the Rangers. He's a Connecticut kid, so I wish him the best of luck. But man, Dolan went full nicks on this one. I, I, I there was no need to fire Gordon or um, or John Davidson, in my opinion. So that is why I was shocked by that. I think everybody was shocked by that. I think the players were shocked by that. I think the players were pissed by it, too. So um, you add all that up. You add the Tom Wilson, what happened in the Monday game, the fact that he wasn't suspended, the fact that he only got a $5,000 fine, the statement, Gordon and Davidson getting fired, and I think it all culminated with a beautiful crescendo in that Wednesday night game when the Rangers went out there and just instantly dropped the gloves. I mean, they were like, we have had enough of this shit. And they were like, we are going to drop the gloves and fight all game. I'm going to just read you the penalty minutes starting right from the start of this game. And by the way, I just have one last thing to say on the statement. I know I've been calling out Robbie a lot during this segment, but he said, he was, Robbie almost seemed offended by this statement. I'm like, dude, if the Capitals released a statement like that, you would have like hung it on the wall in your house. Like, I'm honestly thinking about getting this statement hung on the wall in my house. <laughs> it's a, I love it. Um, so anyway, here's they just started fighting right away in the start of this game. Uh, here's the penalty breakdown. It was a full-line brawl. Kevin Rooney got five minutes for fighting one second into the game. Nick Dow for the Capitals got five minutes for fighting one second into the game. Philip Giuseppe. Five minutes for fighting. Garnet Hathaway, five minutes for fighting. Colin Blackwell, five minutes for fighting. Carl Haglin, five minutes for fighting. That was all. One second into the game. Full line brawl. Three versus three. Now, the one thing I will say, I kind of wish they had waited until the Wilson line was on the ice. Like, I, I know they, I know some that happens in hockey. Sometimes you just drop the gloves right away. You can't wait to go. You fight each other. You can't wait to drop the gloves. Um, but I personally would have waited until the Wilson line out that was out there. Either way, can't complain about a, can't complain about a full line brawl one second into the game. Brendan Smith got a game misconduct. He went after Tom Wilson. Thank goodness. I mean, thank, I, Brendan Smith. I mean, um, Brendan Smith only has like. Two minutes left on this team. His contract is up in the year. They will not be bringing him back. That is for sure. Got a game misconduct 50 seconds into the game for fighting Wilson. Kratzoff was an instigator. He got a two-minute penalty. Wilson got a five-minute hit penalty. Uh, Brendan Smith also got a... In, in addition to his 10-minute misconduct, he got a five-minute for fighting. And then it just continued. It just, the, They just kept fighting and fighting and fighting. Um... Uh, Michael, four minutes and 14 seconds into the game. Anthony Potato fought Michael Raffle. Ryan Strom fought Lars Eller. This, it's just continued. This first period was, ex- it was nonstop fighting. I'm not surprised nobody scored in that first period, honestly, because there was a lot of bad blood. It all seemed focused on just beating the crap out of each other. 
And by the way, I want to point out that Tom Wilson. Ha- uh, shout out to Alfonso Caldero. Um, he's a, I know him a little bit. He's a good guy. He's a huge Rangers fan. And um, he posted Tom Wilson didn't return. He had an upper body injury. And so uh, Alfonso uh, posted on uh, Facebook, how convenient. I love that. Uh, I love seeing that from Fonzie. And um, uh, I, I just, what a, I, I'm glad I watched that, all them go at it. I mean, it was a lot of fun, honestly. Um, I, I never thought, I didn't think I was going to be talking about the Rangers this much, folks. I really didn't, but... Um, what a, what a crazy week. I mean, I just told you everything that happened. I, it's insane. The Capitals did end up winning this game. I will give a shout-out to TJ Oshie because he actually seems like a nice guy. And you guys know how I feel about nice people. TJ seems like a good guy. And unfortunately, uh, his father recently passed away. And um, uh, condolences to TJ Oshie and his family, of course. Um, that I'm very sorry to hear that. Um, and he scored a hat trick in this game, so that was great. I was I was really happy for TJ to have that moment, honestly. So I will give um, I'll give some love to TJ, um, honestly. Uh, even though I don't want to, that's that's really cool that he scored a hat trick um, after uh, his father's passing. That was very nice and um, respect respect to Oshi and uh, rest rest in peace to Coach. They called him Coach, so rest in peace to peace peace to Coach Oshi. Um. And so that was it for these two games the Rangers played the last couple of days against the Capitals. I mean, that was it. I just gave you 15 minutes worth of crazy nonsense that happened these last couple of days for the Rangers. We'll see where they go from here. They're closing out their season right now. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even bothering to wait till after this game against the Bruins is over, folks. This, this Chara against the Bruins. Charas are coming to an end, man. I feel uh, it sucks, but Charas are coming to an end. Um, we're coming to the end of the hockey season here. We'll see how the Ranger, rest of the Rangers season goes. They were fined for the statement today. Ah, I hate that they were fined more than Tom Wilson. That crushes me that they were fined a lot more than Tom Wilson for the statement. The, Tom Wilson got a $5,000 fine. The Rangers got fined $250,000 for the statement. Like, are you kidding me? I don't know. It just seems weird. It's, Robbie said $5,000 was the maximum fine allowable. I doubt that, Robbie. Are you telling me seriously five grand is the most you can find a hockey player? Like, really? Come on. I do want to say I know I've taken a lot of shots at Robbie and Carol and that whole crew, this, this Ranger segment, but it's really all love at the end of the day. I love those guys. I, I love the Capitals hockey segment in general, Sports on the Hill. They do an incredible job covering that team. But it's it, we did have beef this week, but it's all love at the end of the day. Love those guys, and can't wait to be on Sports on the Hill on Friday on Monday. Probably shouldn't talk about this honestly, though. I, I think for the best, that'd be for the best, honestly, if I just didn't talk about this ever again with that group, honestly, because they have their opinion on it, and I have mine. So that pretty much does it for the Rangers segment, folks. And that does it for today's edition of Brian's Beloved. A lot to talk about with Yankees, Knicks, and Rangers. I hope you enjoyed all of it. Let's get into today's outro. All right, folks, it is time for today's outro. You know how the outro goes. We go through all the headlines in the sports world that we may have missed nationally. And, folks, there's one thing I am very excited about. I was really happy when Major League Baseball came back last month. But the last week, Minor League Baseball is back, folks. And I am very excited about that. I think Minor League Baseball was severely missed in 2020. Um, 
Obviously, it was a very strange year for everybody involved, but uh, minor league baseball is back. I have an article here from ESPN talking about all of that. We're also going to talk a little bit about some of the rule changes you will be seeing in minor league baseball. But uh, I encourage, if you've got a minor league team in town, one of the things I actually don't like about where I live is the fact that I don't have really any minor league, the closest minor league team to me would, I guess, be in Bowie, but um, I don't really have a ton of minor league baseball close to me, but I really love it. I used to love going to Greensboro Grasshoppers games and Winston-Salem Dash games when I lived in North Carolina. I had a lot of fun at a lot of minor league games. So here's the article from ESPN. Minor League Baseball drew 103,483 fans for 47 games on its opening day after missing the 2020 season because of the coronavirus pandemic. The largest crowd Tuesday was 5,004 for the Tulsa Drillers' 4-3 loss. <laughs> wow. Wait till you hear this name. The Amarillo Sod Poodles? Poodles? The Sod Poodles. I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> wow. In the AA Central. All four AA South games were postponed by rain. The AAA West schedule does not start until Thursday, so tonight. Well, yesterday by the time you listen to this episode. The 176 minor league teams drew 41,504,077 fans in 2019, up 2.6% from 40,450,337 fans in 2018, and the ninth highest total in minor league history, the 4,044 average increased 2.1% over 2018's 3,960. Major League Baseball eliminated the separate governing body of minor league baseball and cut affiliations from 160 to 120 this season. Yep, that's a pandemic thing, and it sucks. Minor League, uh, minor league Baseball finally returns to ballparks across the country with Tuesday marking the first game since 2019 after all of last season was canceled because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Opening day will feature 55 contests across four levels, though not every team that took the field two years ago will be returning to the Diamond in 2021. Major League Baseball streamlined the minor leagues, contracting 40 teams in the process. All 30 Major League Baseball teams will now have four levels of affiliates, low A, high A, double A, and triple A, plus a rookie-level team housed at each spring training complex. The post-pandemic restart will also look quite different on the field as baseball experiments with different rule changes at every level, as well as the independent Atlantic League as part of an ultimate goal of finding ways to improve the sport. Strikeouts are up, contact is down, games are longer than ever, and MLB is aiming to do something about it. Former Chicago Cubs and Boston Red Sox front office executive Theo Epstein has been charged with overseeing the experiments for Major League Baseball. He will be analyzing the data and watching the games closely. There's a whole team at MLB that is thinking through how to collect the right kinds of data, how to analyze the data and dissect it in ways that will allow us to understand the impacts of the rule changes, Epstein said recently in a phone interview. We want to understand how they will interrelate to one another and make sure we are avoiding unintended consequences. So with that in mind, and with some help from Epstein, let's examine the Major League rule changes you'll be seeing as you attend and watch Minor League Baseball this year. I'm not going to read the whole article, but I will. I'm not going to read it word for word the way I have so far, but I will go over some of uh, the key details here. In AAA, there will be larger bases. Bases will increase from 15 inches square to 18. That means the distance between the bases will be shortened slightly. It's a small change, but the league thinks it could have an impact in various ways. Reduced injuries, more base runners on bunts, and soft contact to do a shorter distance to the bag, and even more players attempting to stretch singles into doubles. And of course, more stolen, bi- attempt, stolen base attempts. In other words, just more action. 
That could be fun. I, I, I could I could be down for that, honestly. I don't think it's like anything monumental. It's, gonna, it's only a three-inch change. Like It's not going to dramatically change baseball. I'm, I'm okay with it. the base going up a little bit. In AA, they're going to regulate the shift. To start the season, infielders will be required to have their feet on the dirt, though they can stand anywhere on the infield. In the second half of the AA season, the rules will require two infielders to be positioned on either side of second base, as well as have their cleats on the dirt as the pitch is thrown. Um, okay. Oh, look, I'm okay with regulating the shift a little bit. Uh, I don't particularly love the shift. I mean, I'm a Yankees fan, and I've had a lot of players lose hits to the shifts over the years. So, uh, if you kind of want to regulate the shift a little bit, I'm not opposed to that, honestly. I think that could make for some interesting uh, changes as well. In low A Southeast, in the Southeast region of low A, I think this is fun. Automated balls and strikes. Robot umpires will be experimented for the first time in affiliated baseball. Previously, in the Atlantic League, the Arizona Fall League, electronic signaling for balls and strikes were used. But now, select low-A games will have the home plate umpire wearing an earpiece connected to TrackMan radar systems installed in the park. The software will say what balls or strike to the umpire, who will announce it to the players and crowd. I love this, folks. I love this. I hate umpires. I hate how they get balls and strikes wrong all the time. So as if they can get it perfect, that would be great. I don't think it's ever going to be 100% perfect, but if they can at least improve balls and strikes, clean it up a little bit, that would be great. I, I've been petitioning for robot umpires for a while. Interesting one here in the Atlantic League. Um, they're going to move the pitching rubber back a foot. So this change, debuting in the second half of the league season, could be, I don't even know what that word is, Pansia baseball is looking for without changing the aesthetics of the game. Will anyone really notice the rubber is 61 feet 6 inches from home plate instead of 60 feet 6 inches? The last time baseball moved the rubber back, granted it was 5 feet in 1893, strikeouts declined and batting averages went up 35 points. I believe the last time that happened was after the year of the pitcher. 1968, where Bob Gibson just dominated. He had a 1.12 ERA. He was a starter, and he had a 1.12 ERA. So um, I believe that is what regu- caused MLB to move the pitching rubber back then. And, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see if that leads to better pitching. I, I think I love good pitching, so I'm, I'm kind of okay with that, honestly. Uh, more new rules. At high A, pitchers must disengage the rubber prior to throwing to any base or a balk will be called. With this change, left-handers will no longer be able to step towards first base with their foot on the rubber. The goal is an increase in stolen base attempts. At all low-A levels, pitchers will be limited to a total of two step-offs or pick-offs per plate appearance while there is at least one runner on base. Love that. Absolutely love that. At low-A West, a 15-second pitch clock will be implemented with on-field timers expanded to one in the outfield and two behind home plate between the dugouts. The Atlantic League will experiment with the double-hook designated hitter rule. Once a team's starting pitcher is removed from the game, so, de- so is their designated hitter. The goal is to incentivize starters to go along as well as create late-game strategy. I think my dad would like that one, honestly. That sounds like a fun rule. Um, I kind of like that one. That would cause a lot of strategy, honestly. I might got to find if there's an Atlantic League team anywhere close to D- the DMV area, because that sounds like a lot of fun. But yeah, I'm really happy uh, that minor league baseball is back. Uh, I'm going to try and go to, like, maybe I'll go. I've never been to Bowie, and uh, I, I know they have the Bowie Bay Sox. That's, like I said, probably the closest minor league team to me. 
Surprised there aren't more minor league teams in the DMV area. Um, DM, no offense to the D.C. area. You're not really a baseball area. You're more football and hockey first. But, um, yeah, I, I, would, I, would like, I, I would like to go to some minor league games. Oh, uh, that would be a lot of fun. Um, and I'm just happy minor league baseball is back. Like I said, uh, severely missed, for sure, last season. Uh, it's just a lot more fun, honestly. Minor league baseball is just a fun, I said cheap, Fun time. You can go to the ballpark, have a couple cheap beers, cheap hot dogs, and just have a good time. Minor league baseball is the best. I'm happy to have it back. Let's talk Aaron Rodgers, folks. Uh, Brett Favre is throwing his hat into the ring on this Aaron Rodgers situation here. Uh, I have an article here from ESPN that I will read you. Um, Brett Favre hopes Aaron Rodgers can win another Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers, but he's not optimistic that there will be another run given, given what he knows about the rift between Rodgers and the team. In an appearance on ESPN Wisconsin's radio's Wild and Tosh, Favre on Wednesday detailed his text conversation with Rodgers and made comparisons to his own departure from the Packers in 2008. But what was most striking was his prediction for how it will play out. By the way, Aaron, uh, you guys know what Brett Favre sounds like. I'm, I'm not going to read it in his voice, but you can hear it in his voice when I read it. Boy, it's a good question. That's the million-dollar question, Favre said during a 45-minute Wow. Only in Wisconsin can they have Brett Favre on the radio for 45 minutes, folks. That is like the only place that's allowed. Maybe Mississippi. Uh, Favre said in a 45-minute interview on the show, I think I know Aaron fairly well, and honestly, I just don't see him coming back and just saying, all right, let's just bury the hatchet. Whatever caused the rift, and I'm just going to come back and play because I love the guys. I love Green Bay fans. I assume he does. But this, his rift isn't with the fans or the players. It's with the front office. Will he just swallow his pride and come in? Maybe, but I don't see that happening. If there's a, not a trade, my gut tells me that he'd rather sit out and play. That's just my gut. There's no reason for me to say that other than what I, my gut is telling me. And I think you guys know Aaron fairly well enough to sort of feel the same way. He likened it to how Barry Sanders walked away from the Detroit Lions shortly, after the 19, shortly before the 1999 season. Favre said he texted Rodgers last Thursday shortly after ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that Rodgers had told some, pa- some in the Packers organization they no longer wanted to play for the team that drafted him in 2005 to ultimately replace Favre in 2008 and joked that he asked Rodgers if he was going to play for the New Orleans Saints this year. Michael Edgley would love that. Um, he said Rodgers replied by saying he didn't think he was going to happen, but he added, thanks for checking in on me. I'll touch base with you after this is all over. And that was it, Favre said. We haven't talked since. Favre said that he would be willing to talk through things with Rodgers and offer his perspective on how things ended in Green Bay for him. There are differences, though. Favre noted the primary one being that a team wanted a decision from Favre about whether he planned to play in 2008, and at the time, Favre wasn't ready to commit, so he hastily retired. Ultimately, Favre changed his mind and wanted to return to the Packers, but by then, they had moved on to Rodgers, and he was traded to the Jets, and we all know how that went. It was not good. Um... Look, I said last week passionately. I, I said very. I said, made it very clear. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded. Really, sounds like he wants out, though. Honestly, it, it's get, it's getting harder and harder to defend my anti-trading Aaron Rodgers stance from last week. Honestly, because he keeps like it. Really, sounds like he wants out. It's just what team is going to like have the right haul for Aaron Rodgers. What team can offer him a, a package that is going to be good enough for Green Bay? I mean. You've got to offer a hell of a package to get Aaron Rodgers, folks. I mean, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, not only one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's the reigning MVP. I mean, he's a beast. 
But um, yeah, I, I I think my stance on um, I think I'm losing my grip honestly on uh, Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay. If Brett Favre is saying that he might leave, uh, then um, it's probably gonna happen honestly. But um, we'll see. I'm excited to see how this plays out. It would be crazy to see the reigning MVP get moved like that um, so dramatically, honestly. Um, but yeah, uh, that's pretty much all I have to say on the Aaron Rodgers situation. Brett Favre's time, I mean, I uh, all I can say is I hope if Aaron Rodgers does get traded, it goes better than Brett Favre's time with the Jets because, uh, I mean, it started out good. I mean, they started out on fire that year, if I remember correctly. I mean, I, New York was hype about the Jets that year. And then it all fell apart fast. I mean, Brett Favre was awful in that. He had, like, no arm strength in the second half of that season. Oh, man, that was a disaster. Fun trip down memory lane with that one. Uh, But, yeah, that's honestly how I feel about Aaron Rodgers. All right, I just want to say, um, I mentioned at the start of the episode how much I love the food at Citi Field. I don't think I said this. I I was going to say one other thing that I actually think Citi Field has an advantage. Uh, I, I might have actually forgotten to say this. I might have said I had two things that I thought City Field had an advantage on it over Yankee Stadium. I mentioned the food. Um, the second thing I love over City Field is the seven line, man. Uh, you guys know I'm a huge transportation subway nerd, and I'm sorry I'm bringing up this really boring topic on my podcast once again, but I just wanted to shout out the seven line. Uh, I love it. Uh, it goes through all the melting pot neighborhoods of Queens. Queens is the most diverse bureau, borough in the entire city. I love how it, you get an incredible view of Manhattan as you're coming out in Queens and you're, you just get a great view of the city. So that is an, one other advantage that City Field has over Yankee Stadium. I love the four train when it comes out of the tunnel and you get that first shot of the stadium. That gives me chills, man. It really does. But unfortunately, my parents live closer to the B and the D. So that's what I take pretty much every time I go to Yankee Stadium. I don't take the four as much as I used to. So... Um, I got to give love to the seven line, man. I really, really love this the, going through Queens on the seven line. And I can't wait to do that tomorrow night with Leith. It's going to be a great night. Uh, looking forward to that. Just wanted to say that. Just give a shout out to the seven line. I know the Mets have a big fan club uh, called the seven line army. So um, love to the seven line, uh, the purple seven line. I love it so much. This is a baseball heavy outro, folks. And by the way, this is the next two stories I believe are um, actually... It might be the next three stories. No, it's the next two stories are dedicated to the one and only Tim Clark. Uh, this goes out to you, Tim. Uh, John Means was almost perfect for the Baltimore Orioles on Wednesday, but we will happily settle for a no-hitter with one of the greatest pitching performances in team history. That's right, folks. John Means threw the third no-hitter of the season against the Seattle Mariners on uh, Wednesday. A dominating effort by Means. Uh and uh, I'm going to read a little bit more about it here. Means retired all 27 batters he faced in a 6-0 victory over the Mariners at T-Mobile Park. I still call it Safeco. In Seattle. But he did allow a base runner when Sam Haggerty reached on a third strike wild pitch in the third inning. That sucks, man. That sucks. He just missed out on a perfect game by that much. That sucks. The Orioles then caught Haggerty attempting to steal second base. But the wild pitch, unfortunately, nullifies the perfect game. Means is believed to be the first pitcher in Major League history to lose a perfect game on a third-strike wild pitch. 
According to the Elias Sports Bureau's research, he is the first pitcher to throw a non-perfect no-hitter with no walks, no hit batters, and no errors. This article is kind of negative, actually. He pitched a no-hitter. Let's talk about that. Instead, Means pitched the first individual no-hitter for the Orioles since Jim Palmer in 1969. The longest stretch for any team in the majors without an individual no-hitter. The Orioles had a four-pitcher combined no-hitter in 1991. Here's a stat from ESPN. John Means is the first Orioles pitcher to throw an individual no-hitter since Jim Palmer in 1969. Like I said, that I actually just said that. I'm not going to repeat it. The second longest streak is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Their last individual no-hitter uh, was John Candelaria in 1976 and the Indians in 1981 with Len Barker. I believe that was a perfect game. Uh, to be honest, I can't even put it into words right now. I felt okay all game. Didn't really have a change-up until the end. But glad I got it going, Means said in a post-game interview with Masson. Means later told SportsCenter that he was not disappointed to miss out on perfection. Yeah, right now it doesn't matter at all, to be honest with you, he told ESPN. I was just happy I made a good pitch. I was struggling with the curveball recently, so I was happy I got, all, got, got it over and got a swing and miss on it. So that's all I was happy about. I was just trying to keep my cool with him on first base. I'm glad Sevy, catcher Pedro Severino, made up for it by getting him out at second. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'm really happy for John Means. He's the, I, I made a bold statement in our group chat, by the way. Uh, I, I said that John Means is the second best pitcher in the American League East. And I think, it, I, I think that's right, honestly. Um, I, I mean, he's just beasting right now. I mean, the Orioles are not a very good team. I mean, that's well established. But Means goes out there and crushes it every five days. I mean, he is a really good starting pitcher. Um, and they're lucky to have him, honestly. I remember he threw, I don't think it was a complete game, but I think he threw eight, game, eight innings of really good baseball at Fenway to open the season. So uh, this is another great start for him. And like I said, after Cole, I think Means might be the second best pitcher in our division. Hunjin Rue's pretty good, too, for the Rays. Or, so the Blue Jays. But um, I, I don't know. I just... I think Means is really good. Shout out to Jim Palmer, too. I got a funny Jim Palmer story for you guys uh, on this today's after. Tim's going to love that I'm telling this story on the podcast. Um, so in 2019, Tim, Michael Edgley, and a friend of mine named Rob, uh, shout out to Rob, we went to the, this Orioles-Yankees game at Camden Yards. Uh, Yankees won. But before the game, uh, the Orioles had a pregame ceremony to Frank Robinson. Frank Robinson had just passed away that offseason. So they had a tribute to Frank Robinson, and uh, it was really nice. A lot of his former teammates went up there and spoke, um, said some really nice words about Frank, obviously, and Jim Palmer went up there and spoke, and he was just bragging the whole time. Like, he just went out, he just he was up there, he's like, yeah, in 1971, when I won 20 games, Frank was there too. In 1970, when I pitched a complete game shutout against the Red Sox, Frank Robinson was in left field. It's like everything, like, it was like all of his accomplishments. And then he was casually like, oh yeah, Frank was there too. And so, like, it was just really weird, like, that Jim Palmer was, like, kind of bragging about, like, his accomplishments on Frank Robinson's night. And um, so after the game, Tim, Mike, Rob, and I were walking back to uh, Tim's car. And uh, we're talking about it. We're like, yeah, Palmer really bragged a whole lot in that pregame ceremony. This blind guy is walking in front of us. He's got a cane in his hand. This is a legitimately blind person. He turns around and says to us, I can't stand Palmer. All he does is brag all the time. And we were like, dude, I know. Like, this guy does nothing but brag. 
So yeah, that's the best Jim Palmer story I can give. Um, great pitcher, Hall of Famer, uh, world champion as well with the Orioles, but um, Hall of Fame bragger as well. I mean, jeez, bro. I mean, he was bragging like crazy in that speech we saw him in. So anyway, Means is in, Means is no hitter. Is the first individual Orioles no hitter since Palmer. And like I said, Means is a beast. Read up on him if you're not paying attention. This guy's one of the best pitchers in baseball for sure. Uh, he's got nasty stuff. I love watching John Means out there anytime he throws. And uh, I have to give a shout out to Tim Clark as well because today, Friday, the day you'll be listening to this episode, my alma mater, the High Point Panthers, are playing his alma mater, the Richmond Spiders, in the Southern Conference Men's Lacrosse Final. That's at noon. That's at noon. Not noon o'clock. Noon. It's at noon on ESPN Plus. Um, Richmond is nationally ranked. HPU was also nationally ranked at one point this season, so it should be a pretty good game. I know I'm talking college lacrosse, which has to be the most boring subject on earth for a lot of people. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to give a shout-out to our alma maters. That's what we should have a bet on, Tim. I I know we have a bet on this Yankees national series, but if you hear this by any chance before the HPU Richmond game today, honestly, we should have a bet on that instead of the Yankees nationals series. You're not even a nationals fan, bro. Anyway, um, that does it for shout out to John Means. Congratulations on your no hitter, and congrats, shout out to Jim Palmer for being a world class bragger. This was a little surprising. Um, I, I got this news while I was at the Yankee game today, and I was a little surprised by it, honestly, because you don't just cut Albert Pujols. I mean, he's Albert freaking Pujols, one of, one of the best hitters of all time. That's what the Angels did today. Here's an article from ESPN. The Los Angeles Angels cut ties with future Hall of Fame first baseman Albert Pujols on Thursday, barely two months into the final season of his contract, ending a near-decade run in Southern California. The Angels officially designated 41-year-old Pujols for assignment, a formality, before he becomes a free agent for the second time in his 21-year career. Pujols is expected to be released as soon as he clears waivers in three days. Pujols was batting 198 with a 250 on base percentage and a 372 slugging percentage through his first 92 plate appearances and did not have a clear path for playing time, with first baseman Jared Walsh performing well and Shohei Otani absorbing the vast majority of the at-bats at the designated hitter spot. All indications are that Pujols wants to keep playing, though it remains to be seen what type of opportunities he will have with the DH, not a factor in the National League. Yes, I would like to make that very clear. I've made it very clear that I I wish there was a universal DH, I want the DH in both leagues. The fact that there is no universal in DH makes it virtually impossible for an Albert Pujols-St. Louis Cardinals reunion, and that sucks, folks. Let's be honest, that is garbage. I hate that a lot. I wish Pujols would return to St. Louis. He is a legend in St. Louis, folks. So I will be interested to see where Albert Pujols ends up. Uh, Hell of a player. One of the best hitters you will ever see. I mean... When he was in his prime, there was no... Do you guys remember that ball he hit off Brad Lidge in the playoffs? That ball might still be going, what, 15, 16 years later? I thought that was a moonshot. That ruined. That almost ruined Brad Lidge's career. Like, that, that single-handedly almost ruined his career. But, um, anyway, he's a monster. Like, he's the machine for a reason. He was the original machine before DJ was. I mean, he was just a, he was just a beast. So I'm hoping... Albert Pujols uh, extends his career somewhere. No, I don't think the Yankees should sign him. I think that would be a waste of a roster spot. But uh, I will be interested to see where he ends up. I think he will find a spot for the rest of the season, and then I think he will retire after that. I mean, 
I think he wants to at least play the rest of the season. He deserves that, I would say. So somebody please sign Albert Pujols so he can at least finish his career uh, better than just getting released. That would suck. All right, folks, that pretty much does it for today's outro. Those are the national stories that I'm keeping an eye on, and I hope that now you are keeping an eye on as well. Let's go high point against Richmond. Uh, it's going to be a tough game, but let, I, I got to give love to the purple and white, baby, my alma mater, the High Point University Panthers. Time for picks to clicks. Let's go into that. All right, it is time for picks to click, where I give you one game in Major League Baseball, the NHL, and the NBA, and I'm also going to give you an MLS game on Saturday. For this weekend, I'm going to give you one game to watch in both. Folks, uh, I'm going to be honest, I was at a Yankee game all day. I, I, I didn't write down a game for anything, honestly. I should have done this before I went to the game. But instead, here we are. I'm going to do this on the fly. I'm going to give you one game from each sport to watch every day this weekend, starting in Major League Baseball on Friday. Uh, best game I can see here, best pitching matchup. You guys know I always go for the best pitching matchup. And that would be uh, Wade Miley versus Zach Plesak. That's a 7 o'clock game at the Jake. It's not Progressive Field. Don't ever call it that. It's the Jake. Um, it's at 7 o'clock. Check that one out. It's the Battle of Ohio. Uh, always a fun matchup when those two teams meet up. So that is my Major League Baseball click, pick-to-click for Friday. In the NBA on Friday... Easy one here. I think, well, actually, there's a couple of very good games. I shouldn't say it's an easy game. There's two games here now that I'm looking at that really stand out to me. They're both later games for the East Coast people. It's the Nuggets versus the Jazz at 9 o'clock. Unfortunately, not nationally televised. You're going to have to legal stream it, or you're going to need League Pass for this one. Or maybe, you, maybe, I, maybe I have some listeners in Denver and Salt Lake City. I don't know. I doubt it, but maybe I do. Uh, that game's at 9 o'clock. Uh, Denver just beat the Knicks, um, as I talked about in the Knicks segment. Um, and they have the MVP, like I said, Nikola Jokic is my MVP choice right now, so check that game out, that should be fun, and the other game I have for you is nationally televised, it's Lakers Trailblazers, LeBron will be out still, but, um, I love Damian Lillard, I love, um, I love Carmelo Anthony, I love CJ McCollum, I know I've actually shouted out the Trailblazers a couple times on this Picks to Click segment already, but, um, I really like that game, um, so keep an eye on that one. Like I said, it will be on ESPN. Now in hockey, uh, we're pretty much down to the last weekend of the season at this point. There's really not a whole lot going on. I'll go with the Flyers and the Capitals, honestly. Um, the Capitals will still be playing for seeding. Maybe the Flyers are a little bit tougher and they can take out Tom Wilson for the Rangers. I don't know. The Ra- Flyers don't really like the Rangers either and vice versa. So um, check those two teams out. I, like I said in the last episode, I'm really sick of it. playing the same teams over and over again in hockey. I'm sure these two teams are sick of each other. I'm sure every team in the NHL is sick of playing each other. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say on that one, folks. Easy pick-to-click for Saturday in Major League Baseball, folks. It's Kluber versus Scherzer, Nationals versus Yankees. This is definitely the best pitching matchup of the day, in my opinion. Uh, I mentioned in the Yankees segment I am a huge Max Scherzer fan. Um, I love that dude. I think he's a great, he's a warrior, man. I'll never forget the game. I was fortunate enough to be house-sitting for Robbie when this game happened, So, and he has Mastin, so I was able to watch it. But I'll never forget the game where Scherzer um, injured his eye in batting practice. He was practicing bunting. He bunted the ball into his face, and 
I was like, there's no way he's going to pitch tonight. He went out there that night and pitched a gem of a game. I'll never forget that, honestly. That was, that was my first, like, holy shit, Max Scherzer is a fucking warrior. I was like, whoa, that guy is amazing when he did that game. And that was honestly, you know, going back to the 2019 season for the Nationals, that was honestly one of the first, like, magic moments of that season for that team. Like, when Scherzer went out there and pitched that game with the black eye. So um, I'll never forget that as long as I live. But, of course, I'm hoping he loses this game. I'm hoping uh, Kluber outpitches him uh, in this one. And, uh, yeah, so I'm hoping um, that's a fun game to watch. I'll definitely be watching that game for sure. I'll be at my grandpa's 90th birthday party. Happy birthday to my grandpa, by the way, if I haven't said that yet already. Happy birthday to one of my favorite people in the world, my grandpa. Can't wait to celebrate his 90th birthday on Saturday. But uh, hopefully, I'll, I'll be, hopefully I'll be able to watch a little bit of that game for sure while I'm there. I know my uncle will be watching it. Shout out to Ed. I know Ed will be watching that game for sure. Um, in the NBA, a couple good games on Saturday, actually. Uh, the Wizards and the Pacers is good. Uh, they played on Monday. This is the rematch in Indiana, Indianapolis. Uh, the Wizards won the Monday game easily. So, And the Wizards are playing some great basketball right now. I'm actually... As soon as I finish recording this podcast, I'm going to turn on their game against the Raptors and watch that. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Nets Nuggets is also good, but you guys know I hate... Ooh, you know what, folks? I didn't rip the Nets. I, I didn't rip the Nets during this segment, uh, during the Knicks segment. What I dropped the ball, honestly, when it came to the Knicks segment. How can I rip the Nets this week? Hmm. Well, I can tell you for a fact, I love R2C2, the, uh, the podcast uh, hosted by Ryan Rucco, who's my boy. I love Rucco. Um, and CC Sabathia, who I also obviously love. Um, unfortunately, I will say the one thing I can't stand about Ruko, I love Ruko a ton, but the one thing I can't stand about him is how much he is just obsessed with the Nets. He, like the Nets can do no wrong in his eyes, always talk positively, never has anything bad to say about the Nets. It's really frustrating. So when I saw they had Joe Harris on their podcast today, I was like, no thanks, not listening to that. Sorry, CC and Ryan, I'll listen again next week. So, um, yeah, screw the Nets. That's all I got to say. Uh, but they do have a good game against the Nuggets. Uh, check that one out. Go listen to R2C2, any episode except the one Joe Harris is on this week. Uh, screw the Nets. Uh, in the NHL on Saturday. Um, let's go through some games here, folks. The Rangers' last game of the season is on Saturday. I think this is the last game for a lot of teams, actually. I guess the best game would be the... I don't know, honestly. I'm not going to be watching a whole lot of hockey on Saturday. How do you pick a winner out of these games? I know Carolina's a good team. I'll, let me give some love to my friends who are Hurricanes fans. Um, I, don't really, um, I don't really talk a lot about, about the Carolina Hurricanes, but they've actually been a nice story over the last couple of years. They eliminated the Rangers from the bubble last year, and um, they're, they're a solid team. They made the Eastern Conference Finals. They eliminated the Caps a couple of years ago as well. So uh, that's one thing me and my friends have, who are Caps fans have in common. We both eliminated by the Hurricanes in the last two years. So check out their game against the Predators. I'll throw my friends who are Hurricanes fans a bone. I'll say that watch their game against the Predators. It's at 8 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, I like that one a lot. Um, that's your su- Sunday or your Saturday pick to click in, um, in the NHL. All right, in Major League Baseball on Sunday. Actually, sorry, I got to go back. Sorry, got to give you an MLS game. I didn't give you an MLS game for Saturday. Uh, in Saturday, we have a lot of good games. Um, I don't know. This is, I, I, oh, I'm sorry. I found, I, found our, I found our Saturday pick to click in the MLS, folks. 
It's the Battle of LA, LA Galaxy versus LAFC, which actually has the best rivalry name in all of sports. So, Barcelona, when Barcelona plays Real Madrid in, in Spain, it's known as El Clasico. In LA, when LA Galaxy plays LAFC, it's known as El Trafico, which is amazing. I lo- it's the best rivalry nickname in sports. Nothing. I love El Trafico. So, um, check out the El Trafico match uh, on Saturday. It's an 8 o'clock game. It doesn't say if it's on Fox or not, but since it's LA Galaxy versus LAFC, I have to imagine that game's going to be on Fox. Uh, check that one out. Uh, the NYC FC also plays on Saturday uh, at 6 o'clock against uh, Orlando. That game is on ESPN. Um, so if you are looking for a nationally televised MLS game, that one will be on ESPN. And like I mentioned in the last episode, NYC FC returns to the scene of the crime. Uh, they were eliminated by Orlando FC in the playoffs last year. So um, yeah, I, I, I think that'll be a game to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, all right, your Sunday pick to click in Major League Baseball. Um, let's see here. I'll go with the Sunday night game. I'll go with the Sunday night game between the Phillies and the Braves. I know the Braves just swept the Nationals this week, so the Nationals are limping into their series against the Yankees this weekend, desperate for a win. Uh, Braves are a good team. Phillies, I believe, are actually in first place in the NL East, which is not gotten off to a great start. None of the teams in the NL East have gotten off to any tremendous starts. Uh, the Phillies are in first place at 17 and 15. The Mets are in second at 13 and 13. The Braves are 15 and 16. Miami's 13 and 16. Nationals bringing up the rear at 12 and 15. That's that sucks because when we did sports on the hill on Friday on Monday, the Nationals were in first place and this sweep just knocked them right down. So that's your Sunday pick to click. Um, check it out. That should be a good game. Uh, let's go to the NBA. Hang on just a second as I pull up the schedule here. Ah, yes. Um, all right, folks. Folks, I'm going to be honest. The NBA game to watch on Sunday is the Knicks versus the Clippers. I- I'm just going to give it to my boys. I-, I want them to win this game very badly. It's nationally televised. It's in L.A. Go win this game, Knicks. Take care of business against the Clippers. LA's got a great team, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. All of them will be playing because there's no load management when it's nationally televised. Load management, a term the Nets are very familiar with. Anyway, uh, into the NHL. Uh, Let's go into Sunday here. Um, Only two games on Sunday, and honestly, neither of them are particularly great. Don't watch hockey on Sunday. I'll just say it. Don't watch hockey on Sunday. But if you do, Stars-Blackhawks at 7 o'clock is a better game. I don't even think it's on NBC. But um, that pretty much does it for today's Picks to Click segment, folks. And that does it for today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, folks. Uh, it was a lot of fun recording this episode coming back from the stadium. Even though they lost today, I still had a great time. And uh, what a great week at the stadium, you know, booing the Astros and all that crap. Uh, one last time, folks. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. That's all I have to say to close out this episode. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at UFRWBB. Follow me personally on Twitter at bbrian1991. Follow me on Instagram at bbrian1991. I post a lot of sports content, especially in my story to Instagram. I make my opinions known, folks. Um, So a lot more content on the way. I am planning to do a Monday episode as well to recap the weekend for all my teams 
and go through all the headlines internationally. So stay tuned for that, folks. Have a good weekend. I'll talk to you next time.